You are listening to the SSEU podcast, the little podcast that could. No one thought that we were ever capable of flying, but we some but somehow we continue to put out episodes week after week. Flag Taylor has described the podcast as mediocre, terrible, and our Rotten Tomatoes audience score is a stunning 15% fresh. On this week's episode. This this is this is our best segment ever. Like yeah. vague stabs at geography. <laughs> Where, where do you think uh, Sacramento is? Wait, stop! There's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. Everyone stand back! Oh my god! Cry out, you son of a bitch! You ruined my plan! Sarah! The sister of the bride, and based on her accent, from origins unknown, I'll take her dead or alive. Put the weapon down. Fine. Then it's to be hand-to-hand combat then. Oh my god! Niles! I want that whole segment cut because I don't like the way it went. It was very (laughs) disrespectful. If Andy Samberg ever hears this, he's not going to want to be friends with me. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the Substandard Expanded Universe. You can find us on most podcast machines on Twitter at SSEU Podcast and on Patreon. I am Thomas, as usual, here together with Ryan and a returning Haberman. Lads, how are you? I'm back, baby. Boys. Oh, you say baby? I am glad to be back. And I'm ready to make up for lost airtime. I mean, I, I do have a whole other podcast, which you should all listen to. It's called Haber Bros. Like, subscribe, comment, review, recommend it to your friends. Haber Bros. Clergy and Lay. When you listen say like, it. do you just mean have the feeling of liking the podcast? I, or click, the, like, I don't, click I don't like on your like. podcast machine. Oh, I like how... Or is it, called, f- is it called favorite? Favorite it. I like how the first thing he does when he gets back on the podcast is just promote his own stuff mm-hmm. after his solo mm-hmm. tour. Well, mm-hmm. he was with his other co-hosts on mm-hmm. vacation, and they apparently just plotted their promotion tour. That's right. Guys, well, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the episode. At least You haven't even listened to it. I listened up until you said spoiler alert. Now I learned. Here I thought all I had to do was watch a movie called Greyhound um, about the formation of a fleet of buses that, that – can take you around the country with creatures. You had to learn about World War II. What? <laughs> had to crack open a history book. <laughs> then I found out it was based on a, on a book. So before, so I, I need to read the book and then watch the movie, and then I can listen to the rest of the podcast. Why do you have to do that in this? You don't usually do this. You have to find out if it's a true story or not also. That's that is true. Yeah, you can yeah. you can either you can either figure out if it's a true story before you read the book or after or after the movie. Or after <laughs> you record you a can, podcast. Yeah, you can you can go into it like, you know, and wait to decide if you want to know if it's true or not until way after that stuff. I stopped there and then I also did listen to the afterglow in the Patreon because uh, I'm a Patreon member. I was surprised that Thomas didn't know more about submarines. You are a professor of future war. Would I be correct in assuming that future wars will not have submarines? 
No, it will. You will have cyberspace submarines. It's all cyber. Cyberspace submarines. It's all. It's all cyber. <laughs> it's what everyone's talking about. You're gonna have a fat kid in his mother's basement driving a sub- cyber submarine. Well, so, Ryan, I, en- I enjoyed enjoyed uh, the explanation of submarines and how um, the windshield is is you know it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> you can actually get where they're going. We attempt to be educational on this podcast. You learn about history. You learn about the contemporary murder in Denmark. Uh, you learn about how to sink a Norwegian submarine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that joke went over well. If it was a Swedish audience, everyone would have gotten it instantly because we learn it at like age two. Well, you said well you- maybe it was. 37% of our listeners are from other. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's other U.S. states. No. Why? Yes. So we just listed a certain number of states and the rest are just like other. I am not 100% sure how our statistics work. <laughs> mm. Well, guys, so so you know that uh, I am fascinated by very, very strange things. And, yes. and, and virtually anything makes me laugh. Uh, so the thing that I want to relate to you from my trip, because of the coronavirus and just other factors, it's been a long time since uh, we've been in a hotel room. And so this is the first time I'm in a hotel room we? in a long time. Yeah, my family. Oh, leave it us. Since it has been. You, me, and, and Thomas. <laughs> what, you all what happens in, the in Vegas? Same, were you stays all in, in the same hotel room? Me and my family? Yes. We, we usually so, stay in the same room. Is it like a suite set up or. Do do you sleep on the floor? When you say or? family, what are you t- what are you talking about, Thomas? Because if you just mean his wife and his kids, then where else would they stay? In I could sleep room. in the car. Or in, in I was thinking, like you get MC two queen suites. beds. You get where, two queen yeah. beds, and the kids share the queen. I would, Thomas. Share. We we spend our vacations in a hotel much like you do with two queens. What I wanted to relate was that when we turned on the TV and found Cartoon Network or whatever, which my kids have never watched because we never watch TV anymore. Cartoon Network is mostly for adults anyway. Isaac asked us multiple times how we could pause the TV <laughs> because he is, in his memory, yeah. never operated a TV that couldn't pause. So even so, back when sports went off the air, um, I canceled our streaming cable service. But even that, we could pause. But he has right. never actually watched a television where he couldn't just press pause and go do something and then come back. That's crazy. Kid, like, kids, t- kids today, are, they, they're not going to have memories that are anything like ours when it comes to tech. I, but, and I'm, like, how, I'm thinking to myself, how do I explain to him what TV is? <laughs> this kid does not know what TV is. He's grown up in the streaming era. Six years old, in his memory... And I'm trying to think. We've always had DVR or watch stuff on streaming. No, it's live. Well, it's it, it's, it's over the air. What over the? Just pause it. I want to see the rest of this We Bear Bears episode. My parents they have television and they watch a lot of television. My mom has moved almost entirely to streaming, but my dad still watches the TV. There is something comforting in the fact that someone is picking the things that you are supposed to watch, and I don't have to think about it. I just open the TV guide and okay. it's nine, nine oh. o'clock, the evening movie. Okay. And I watch that. How about a streaming service that's curated that you have no control <laughs> over what plays or what time it plays. It just, you, it's, it's, it's like Netflix, but it's just always playing. And so when you put it on at a certain time, you have to watch whatever's on because someone's curating it for you. I'd and watch that. 
And yeah. movies always start 15 minutes in. They never show you the beginning. What? I like it. I don't. I don't know. Understand that part of it. I don't. What, Chris? What? Oh, I just. I just thought it'd be kind of fun if. Oh, it, you it, just wanted to throw that part into it. I yeah. was describing just a regular TV channel, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, also, let's just randomly start in the middle of stuff. Maybe that's uh, how they do it on the Peacock. I can't wait to get the cock. Um, AP Bio so- season three going to be on the cock. Is it really? When is that yeah. starting? September third, something like that. I gotta get my hands on that new streaming service from NBC. Haber Traveler, I believe that you have uh, you have stories from the road for us. Nope. Uh, let's hear about. <laughs> y- you've been giving us Thomas uh, kind of a goodbye to the United States. Uh, what did you talk about? Was it last week or two weeks ago? Last week. What did you talk about last week? Doesn't matter. Stuff that he's gonna. Miss? miss? Yeah, so you know what I'm not going to miss about the U.S.? You put too much sugar in everything. Everything that's has true. a drive-thru, which means that everyone's fat, and that's why you're dying, dying of COVID. Okay. Number three, so I don't know how widespread this is. This is, again, this is infrastructure. Wait, 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 wait. time out, time out. Let's go back to, you think drive through spread COVID? No, well, it's, it's it why you're fat. overweight, which oh, makes okay. it. Sorry, you, you, because, your audio cut out when you said that. Okay. Uh, because it's it's absurd that you're able to do bank errands while remaining in your car. That's not what makes Why Americans fat. Absurd? Or go into the pharmacy while staying in your car. I'm not going to put my money in the bank by walking inside like an animal. You're not going to make me get out of my car and walk inside Who the bank. Who is still going to the bank anyway? I'm trying to think of the last time I went to the bank. <laughs> anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're, you're against the drive-thru. I don't need the drive-thru anymore anyway. I order on the app. I pull into a parking space. And then you don't get your food if it's, a, <laughs> yeah, if it's it, breakfast at Chick-fil-A. It's breakfast. Yeah, you got to be you gotta get there at the right time. But yeah, I mean, I don't even use drive throughs anymore. If, if the restaurant doesn't have an app to where I can order it before I get there and pull in, just put my parking space in the app and just wait for somebody to bring it to me, I don't go there. Number two, Americans still use checks that they get, I assume, from the bank or someplace. I have, I've literally never seen a check in Sweden. I but asked where, my parents- wait, 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 wait. But where have you seen checks in the US? People will sometimes pay their rent with checks. I've seen people uh, pay at the grocery store yeah. in the last okay. like several weeks with a check. And I But is it anyone under the age of 60? Mm-hmm. That might be a fair point. I feel like if you have a really tiny, a really small landlord, you might be paying your rent using a check. Relatedly to infrastructure uh, is the fact that in intersections you have cameras mm-hmm. in a lot of places. I don't know how more and more. I, yeah, it's more and more. Like I don't know how widespread it is, but it's really annoying. It is like any any not any like it's not. It didn't used to be everywhere, but anywhere now, if they do any kind of uh, construction or upgrading or road work, they are also part of that is installing cameras at intersections. Um, so it's going to be pretty much everywhere. It's going to be cameras, high-speed cameras. They can catch Chris, you Chris seems re- really confused. No, not confused. We, we only have cameras uh, that allegedly, at least what they tell you, is that they facilitate the flow of traffic. And the, <laughs> but I, I think there's it's, something it's sinister, be, deep yeah. state that, that, that's it's happening. It's deep state. Yeah. Well, is it is it supposed to be connected to the traffic lights in some way? Yeah, allegedly. Wow. 
so that they're I, not just on a random timer right, that, so yeah. that they can like kind of make the synchronize work yeah. more efficiently to yeah with I, the actual I, traffic I, I, I will say though as annoying as i find the traffic lights in intersections sweden does something that's even more annoying and it's that we have like speed cameras speed traps along the road almost everywhere and that is even worse like speed traps like Cops sitting waiting. No, 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 no. Like cameras. cameras. Or cameras. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, do, do you remember? There's an early. I think it was a mini uh, substandard episode uh, where where they talked about the guy, the guy <laughs> who smashed him, and how he's an American hero. And I couldn't agree more. I, I would pay the bail of anyone who would smash a, a speed camera. The the last thing uh, I have on this segment for this episode, I will be back next week. But the one of the things I dislike the most about the U.S. is fully carpeted floors. It is disgusting. It is filthy. Americans don't take their shoes off to begin with. You mentioned this in episode one. So all all my shock and anger, uh, I I believe I expressed in that episode. Thomas, you are a ridiculous human being. Carpet's great. You're somewhat right uh, in that, you know, you shouldn't have it in certain places. You shouldn't have it in your kitchen or dining room or bathroom or even your entryway. But in, in, at least in your living room, carpet's great. Oh, I love a bathroom carpet. So except that urine splatter. Can I tell you guys about my experience the other day? So, <laughs> Depends. So I'm supposed to return to the U.S. to uh, settle my affairs next month. One of the segments on my flight ended up being canceled. I had to get on my phone to get this sorted out. So I get on my phone, dial the number. Someone who says that they are called Vera, but we know that it's really some Indian working outside Bombay, picks it up and... Uh, in order to try to sort this out, I am on the phone with the travel agent, agents, two of them, for an hour and a half to mm. try to find and finalize another flight. I thought that we moved past this a decade ago. How can it take so long? I, uh, I, assume, I, I, know, I know absolutely nothing on how you actually book a trip when you're a travel agent. It can't be that hard. These people can't be the sharpest tools in the shed. When it now, takes you were, this wasn't actually a travel agent, was it? This was, this was someone working for the airlines, right? N- no, no. These are travel agents. Working. I've never even talked to a travel agent I, before. I mean, they're, they're, that is not a thing that, that many Americans use. I don't. Well, and, they are if you uh, use like uh, Laura. I mean, are there just fewer flights right now? Because I, I don't think that was the problem. I think their systems are just terrible. Was it that you were working outside the system and like if you were actually talking to the airline, they could have been like, okay, well, we have this other flight. I assume so. Hopefully. I, don't I would know. hope so. Yeah, because that, that seems really terrible and inefficient. Yeah, it's the longest phone call that I have made probably in 10 years. So how, how did this phone call go? You're, you're, you're on the phone line, you're on the phone for an hour and a half and they're like, can't find your flight. Not that one. Not no, no, on. no, 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 no. <laughs> Just hang it's on a second. When- uh, I called them up. I was. I told them my flight was canceled. I I, I would like to book uh, another an, another another option. And they were like, Oh, okay, sure, please hold. Then they came back and they were like, Oh, can we get your itinerary number? Blah blah blah. This information, okay, please hold. And I went on hold again. Then they came back. Uh, four minutes later, uh, they asked for some more information. They put me on hold again. I was probably on hold for at least half this time. And it kept being like, they kept getting back to me and asking more questions. It all just seemed very inefficient. They should already have all my information. I already yeah, Why didn't the they just program. ask all the questions the first time? Do they only have like a certain amount of space they have on their notepad that they can write? 
Right. Like, hang on. I got to go to the notepad store. So, You're going to so, need more the, paper for this one. But, but the thing is that when I'm on the phone with representatives, um, unless I know that they are idiots and that they have really screwed up, I'm usually really friendly. But at the end of an hour and a half, my patience was all out. So what does they could just like sweet. call you back or like email you? Like, yeah, give us your information. We'll figure this out. And if we need to call no, you. No, because they keep like, asking you for shit. What is all this information they what? need? I mean, what? I don't get what it. Type? <laughs> uh, Sperm actually, count? I mean, I'm actually, so confused. I don't. Average Bristol stool scale? I have no patience for this. Guys, I have a game. I don't know if this is going to be a hit, but I hope it is. I hope we get to, this will be a recurring segment. So we'll see. Mm. All right. This is called the celebrity net worth game. So <laughs> I'm going to give you a celebrity and you're going to guess what their net worth is. Okay? Uh, quest, question, question. Yeah? Where, where are you grabbing these numbers? Uh, so I want to do apples to apples comparison. So I'm using the website celebritynetworth.com. Okay. Sounds like they know what they're doing. It's, it's they in the domain. website. They... They're called Antifa. They're literally anti-fascist. <laughs> Number one, Tom Hanks. So uh, Tom Hanks has, has, and here's the thing. I, I pulled up some info from IMDb. Tom Hanks, th- these are pretty legit numbers because they're mostly feature films. Uh, but Tom Hanks, just to give you an idea of his body of work, is 91 credits as an actor, eight as director, and 58 as producer. What, what do you suppose his net worth is? Uh, who, who goes first? Ryan, you can go first. 150 million. Okay. Thomas. So, so he's been in a lot of, he's, he's a star. That's too high. I should have gone lower. Uh, 80 million. This Tom Hanks. I mean, this guy is, has had hit movies in four different decades. Um, uh, 400 million. <laughs> what? All right. Number two, uh, Jason, was... Jason Bateman, uh, 90 credits as actor. Uh, 12 as director. Now, some of those may be episodes of this or that, um, but he's directed feature films as well. Bad Words, among others, right? And 14 as producer. Uh, Ryan, he produced uh, the HBO series you had me watch. What was it called? The Demon Town. Demon Town. That's the one. Jason Bateman, what's his net worth? 80 million. Michael Bluth. You don't need to buzz in. You can just say it. Okay. 8 million. 30 million. This is hard. That's yeah. Hard. This is hard. I would not have guessed that much for yeah. either of those guys. Apparently, I need to treat celebrities much worse because they're worth a lot more money than I thought. <laughs> All right, uh, Zach Braff, forty-one credits as actor, ten as director, eight as producer. Are we allowed to go into negative? <laughs> what no, he, he was on a sitcom. Besides... He's got sitcom money. What has um, he done besides Scrubs, though? Fifty million. Uh, Garden State. It's it's not fifty million. It's no, it's not fifty it's, million. It's eighteen million. That's really close. He has a net worth of twenty million. Oof. And uh, we're going to talk about Dead Eyes shortly, uh, the podcast. Uh, but in in the Dead Eyes podcast, we learn that uh, he auditioned for the part that uh, Schwimmer got. So yeah. apparently, they're like looking for the like the most douchey, unlikable kind of guys all right i um, still can't see him in the military that doesn't no no anyway. <laughs> absolutely not okay uh laura linney uh the delightful and lovely laura linney 71 credits as actor none as director and three as producer uh notice no directing credits only three producing credits because as we know hollywood is one of the most regressive and sexist places how many acting credits did you say 71 8 million 
12. You guys are catching on. 10 million. Very good. Okay. John Hamm, 103 credits as actor, one as director, six as producer. Yeah, it's mad money. Um, He's a mad man. Uh, must have more. I, I'm going to say 27. I would say 15 million. 40 million. 40 million? Oh, really? Okay. From what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, from so what? <laughs> what? You got me. Donald Glover, 92 credits as actor. He was in a Star War. He has his own TV show in addition to uh, Community. Uh, he's been in a Star War. He's been in Marvel movie. Four credits as director, 19 as producer. Hmm. Go ahead, Ryan. I don't know. 50 million? Hey, this is a complete guess. He's, a, he's also a rapper, but I don't know. That's true, well and that would his, count to his net worth. Well, his music sells, though. 57. 35 million. Kristen Bell. She played uh, Veronica Mars. She's been in some movies. She's got to make, you got to think Frozen 2 paid her a bunch of money. 97 credits as actor, one as director, seven as producer. But but again, it's her think... net worth combined with Dak Shepard's net worth, though. So what are, X plus three million, right? Actually, I'm going to look at Dak Shepard right now. He's actually he's he's more than you, his is more than you think. But again, uh, so she's a woman, so Hollywood probably hasn't paid her. Dax, that, Dax is worth twelve million dollars. How is that possible, Kristen Bell? Thirty-five. Forty. Ryan, you nailed it. Forty million. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet yeah. Dax Shepard made like six million off of ch- chips. Was it chips? Was that the? Uh, and I mean, I think he's he's produced some things too and written some things. Uh, there's a new podcast hosted by Sean Hayes, Will Arnett, and Jason Bateman. The premise of the podcast is that one of the three of them brings on a surprise guest each week that surprises the other two. And so their first episode was just this week, and they brought on Dax Shepard, who they're all friends with. And basically Dax – and so Dax Shepard also has a really successful podcast. He basically said, like, he likes doing his podcast so much, like, he – He's basically taken away all of his ambition for acting. So do I have to take away all my uh, making fun of him? Is he actually funny and interesting? Dax? Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. he he's like, a, he graduated something like magna cum laude from UCLA in like... That doesn't mean anything. Anthropology or something like that. Like Arizona so, State or something. <laughs> all right. Next. Know, like, he's not stupid. As I was he, looking, he's I good was at looking. playing stupid, though. I have to say, he really married up. But oh, anyway, definitely, go, definitely, go on, definitely. Chris. Next. Uh, well, okay, since, since we're kind of stalling, uh, um, not stalling, kind of off topic, uh, we, we, early in an earlier episode, we made fun of their choice of names for the children. Was it Delta? Was it Delta or was it? It doesn't matter um, if we're accurate. It, on this podcast, it's more about Delta like twin, and Lincoln. twin engines. Or in like vague memory. I think it was biplane. Um, <laughs> Flashdown. Uh, I came across the, the ESPN ticker because I actually watched ESPN today because baseball's on. Baseball, guys, is awesome. Uh, but uh, that uh, Sierra and Russell Wilson uh, had their second child. And Ryan, what did they name their, their son? Win. Win. Win Wilson. Like Win Duffy? W I Y N N? Win Duffy? Uh, you're the one who texted it to me. So you no, no it's W I N as in like I won the game. That's Win that's the name. Russell. Winner. Wow. I, okay. I think, yeah. As I said, like I think like the second 
second choice was Cock Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> you you did that's, say that's that. The I'm name not of sure. A winner. <laughs> Cock Wilson. That's the name of a winner. <laughs> I mean, the, the Cock brothers have done pretty well for themselves. All right, next, Lin Manuel Miranda. So he wrote some music for Moana. I'm not sure what else he's done. What's his net worth? Ten. I looked this up not that long, like several months ago, and I don't even remember what it is. I think it, like I think he's a musician million. of some sort. Eighty. Eighty million exactly. Yes. Okay. What? How is Absolutely. it? Is it that? How? Moana sold Hamilton for seventy-five million dollars to uh, Disney. He sold what? The, okay, so he's he sold something to Disney. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Guy Guy Pierce, you know, famous uh, British film director of such hits as Chav King Arthur. Sherlock movies and the live action Aladdin. He's also an actor. He's been in like sometimes he sometimes he acts, but mostly directing. Anyway, um, he's worth he's worth sixteen million. Um, Emma Watson. Emma Watson, twenty three credits as actor and not none as producer or director because. So the star of a Disney movie, the star of the world's most popular franchise, star of the Circle. Graduate of Brown University. What uh, can Brown do for you? 50. Uh, 19, $19 million. $80 million. Uh, Eight. Yeah. Wait, All right, who we're was gonna this? Fit Emma Watson. That seems like a lot for... How, how does it seem like a lot? It's how many not... Harry Potter movies were there? I mean, that, that had to have been big money. Actors right. don't get paid that much for... I mean, well, sure not as kids. End. Surely by the end of that, when they're irreplaceable, they cash out. And then she was Belle in a Disney movie. She was in the movie adaptation of uh, Dave Eggers' novel, The Circle, one of Flagg's classmates. We're going to do rapid fire here. And and what I want you to do is is to rank uh, the Chris's in net worth. So you don't have to actually tell me how much they're worth. Rank the Chris's. Do you want to be a bottom or a top? Do you want to go... Uh, top to bottom, bottom or bottom, bottom to top? Bottom to top. Bottom to top. Okay. Rank the Chris's bottom to top. Like, who? which Chris would be the best bottom? Well, Hemsworth would be a power bottom. <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris I, Pine has to be the poorest. I would say Pine, Pratt, Hemsworth. Mm, I'm not... Sh- I, will s- I will say Pine, Hemsworth, Pratt. No, that can't be it. I agree with Ryan. Ryan's ranking is correct. Well, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to be a bottom when I give it to you. I'm going I'm to give it to you from the top to the bottom. Chris Hemsworth is at the top worth $130 million. Uh, The second Chris him. you didn't even mention, Chris Evans, is worth $80 million. Oh, shit, there's four. Uh, the next Chris is Pratt, worth sixty million. Yeah, I would have put them in this order if I had remembered Chris Evans. The next yeah. is uh, Walken, worth fifty million. Oh my gosh! The next is Pine, worth a paltry thirty million. Can you believe that he is half uh, the net worth of Chris Pratt, and Let's and then Chris Evans is twenty million. Chris Evans is twenty million. Like Captain America pays, man. Yeah, I mean no, Chris I- Pratt had seasons of. Of uh, Parks and Rec, season. yeah, but, but he was like the, the yeah, seventh. Yeah. But but I mean, uh, a great deal of Jennifer Aniston's money is in residual <clears throat> Friends money. Now I know, Parks right, but she was one of friends. four Parks and Rec. He was like oh, Friends had six. No, I'm saying like he was 
four, four stars, and she was like one Friends of the main six stars. Okay, all right. Well, and even anyway, how? Anyway, next was next, it six? I think so. Okay. Who cares? It's friends. It's dumb. Uh, yeah, I so guess it P- was. Pine at thirty million. The next Chris is uh, 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 Chris Grace, uh, otherwise known as Topher Grace. <laughs> His Christian name is Christopher John Grace. Uh, he's at ten million. And in last place is uh, Chris Klein, who I kid you not, uh, he's worth three million. I kid you not. I saw him on my television tonight on a brand new show that my wife was watching. It's a Netflix show called I think it was called Sweet Magnolias. He's at least he's playing someone in his forties if he's not forty. He's playing kind of a a dad of a of a teenage baseball player. Go ahead, Thomas. Did you guys know that Lucy Liu is in a new show called Elementary? Elementary? That's Isn't not that new. Good- that's not new. Is it not, it's new to me. I had never I seen it before. It's like on their sixth or seventh season. I, I saw like probably. 10 minutes of it. Is it any good? I've no I idea. would say probably not. But It's, it's like a reimagining. Uh, she's she's uh, Watson, right? Yeah. It's something like that. And then the, it's supposed to be uh, Sherlock Holmes, except it's, you in, know. In modern times. Modern times. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. There are seven <laughs> seasons, <laughs> and it started in 2012. Okay, well, it's it's a Brand relatively new. new show. It's a new show. So I wanted to talk about the podcast Dead Eyes. So it's pretty common that Ryan uh, will talk about something or make a recommendation, and like we <laughs> we totally ignore it. But then Jason was like, "No, I actually listened to it, and it's really good." I mean, this has happened so frequently that I will watch a movie or a show and I'll think it's great, and I'll be like, "Hey, guys." This movie is really great. It's called blah, 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 blah. And Ryan's like, yeah, I told you to watch that like six months ago. I swear that Ryan's lying half is the time. Is it a joke? Like he's lying half the time. Anything I say I like, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I totally recommended that you watch that. But anyway, so I uh, because Jason recommended it, I've kind of been grown accustomed to ignoring Ryan's recommendations. Jason recommended it. I listened to it, and I became obsessed. Um, if you've listened to the show and if you know anything about me, I love the commitment to a bit. It doesn't matter exactly what the bit is. It's what makes Arrested Development so funny to me. They're just a series of running jokes. Uh, and not everyone gets this. Like, there's someone in the mega thread who mentioned in a DM that um, she is so poor, she doesn't have a pot to piss in. And so I would, like, find every opportunity to, to make a joke about not her not ha- having a pot to piss in. Until one day she was just like, yeah, don't beat a dead horse. Like, that, that thing's dead. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> dead Eyes is, it is, it is the, and he doesn't, Connor Aleph does not overdo it. Like, he's not overzealous. He's just decided, and he even has a whole episode where he talks about the, how fallible memory is. And so the whole premise of the show that Tom Hanks told him he has dead eyes, it's possible that that never even happened, that he's just convinced himself over the years that Tom Hanks said that he has dead eyes. Well, he yeah. acknowledged it, this. Yeah, and the thing is, like, well, he didn't even hear it from right. Tom Hanks. It was the... Could have been a play, like, game of telephone. It, it was the people that cast him said when they gave him a reason. So essentially, the story is he auditioned for uh, the small role in Band of Brothers because they were shooting in England and so that's where Connor Ratliff is from and so a bunch of English kids were doing American accents and basically he got the part and you know uh, after a certain period of time uh, it was an episode that Tom Hanks was going to be directing and it was like the fifth or sixth episode or something like that it was 
like several weeks into shooting is when this episode that he got the part for was. Tom Hanks came in and decided to recast the part for the aide to uh, Damien Lewis's character. And then they called him and told him, oh, Tom Hanks uh, re- decided to recast the part. He looked at your audition tape and said that you have dead eyes. Basically, that's yeah. what the podcast is about, trying to figure out why. Oh, well, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated. He didn't say he's going to recast it, but like he wants to bring you back in. So he has to actually go back in and that's where he actually meets Tom Hanks um, to k- kind of confirmation, like, is this guy going to work? And and it's what's really funny is the guy only is, it's such an insignificant part. I mean, he has maybe two lines, right? Something like that. Yeah, I, it's been so long since I've listened because he took a long break during, since COVID, COVID, yeah, yeah. between, what was it, like the eighth or ninth episode and then the most recent episode that he released. Yeah, it's been four or five months since I listened to the beginning of the podcast, but I can't remember the story. Yeah, and 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 so he has all these phenomenal guests. He has John Hamm and Ron Livingston and uh, Seth Rogen and just this whole panoply of of guests to come on and, and kind of discuss it. It's, Questions. It's, it's, yeah. How does he get these guests? Does he know them or what? That's, that's kind of the fun of the podcast is, is kind of the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. So he went to the University of Missouri where he was in a play with John Hamm in college. Like John Hamm was a senior and he was like a sophomore or something. Yeah. And then, John Hamm went to Mizzou? Yes. Yeah. John and, Hamm. Poor guy. And, there's, and he, he actually made this movie with this one actor who played Tom Hanks' dad in That Thing You Do. Or something like that. Maybe not Tom Hanks' dad, but the so, um, some significant some dad in that thing you do. And the reason that this guy got the that this friend of his got the part was because he did improv with Tom Hanks before Tom Hanks was anybody. And so that it's all these interesting associations um, in Hollywood of people who knew each other before they were anybody, and kind of uh, it, it kind of gets inside the process of casting, and it's a fascinating look inside. Hollywood, but it never gets away from the premise of like, why did he fire me from this part for having dead eyes? Like, what did that mean? He, and he got and Ron Livingston came on be, just because he listened to the podcast and they, thought they got it was a few like, guests really, that way. Yeah, yeah, and thought it was really funny. And he was friends with Seth Rogen because he's done some he's done some stuff with Seth Rogen, and that's how he came on or whatever. But yeah, Ron Livingston was just like I just listening to it, just thought it was. So funny, but they're all also like can't be- like it's the worst story they've ever heard of someone getting fired for you know uh, out of all the jobs that they've lost for silly reasons they've never heard of something like this and and it seems like maybe half the people don't believe that that was actually you know the reason or whatever that it was uh, you know whether he was actually told that or not they're like nah this can't be what the actual reason was. There's no way that Tom Hanks doesn't hear about this one way or another. And that's kind of yeah. what's great about it is like, what happens when Tom yeah. Hanks hears a story? Is he, you know, the nicest man in Hollywood, is is he going to demand, demand a, like, a, what, what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's leading up to eventually he's going to have Tom Hanks on. You have to think that that's where it's going. Yeah, and one of the things I liked is, is I just like the, I'm fascinated by the workings of Hollywood and and even just the process of casting a movie. And so you, you really get inside that. And so there's one particular story that, that I really, really liked. It's some actors are, are really good friends with uh, the casting directors. And you'd think that it's just purely nepotism, but it's not uh, be, because like these are professionals trying to make a movie that works. So there's somebody who had, I think it was Seth Rogen who had this really long interview with James L. Brooks 
or audition, like really lengthy, um, sat down with Reese Witherspoon and, and did lines for like five hours. And then like a, a few days later, Brooks calls him and Seth was really hopeful because like when you spend that much time together, you assume good things are going to happen. This director, James L. Brooks, who's also his friend, uh, was like, oh, the, yeah, Ryan, do you remember the exact quote? It was like, it, not I, even close. I, like I remember that, but I, yeah, I don't remember what the exact it, quote was. Out of context, you would have thought it was the most insulting thing ever. But what, what he realized, he thought Seth Rogen would be a great fit. But then after just seeing the pieces in place, he was like, uh-uh. Like it's yeah. just oftentimes a gut thing. Like this, this uh, actor who may be a fine actor who I love in another role just doesn't work. Just, it's not what not I picture. Work for the, yeah, yeah. And, and that's a lot of times what it is. Just the the picture the person has in their head of how it's going to work, and just they can't see this person doing it, no matter how much they like them. You guys recommend that people go listen to the Dead Eyes podcast. Dead Eyes. <laughs> I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but I have made a really big change to my own podcast diet. I have cut out every single uh, politics podcast except for one that's about Swedish politics. The rest of it is the Sub Beacon plus four different podcasts about football or, as you would say, soccer. And that's all I listen to now. There's a cleanse going on. A cleanse, huh? That sounds fun. Is your toilet all okay? Transition. Chris, what did you want to talk about? During the period, the long period without sports, uh, I would pull up ESPN just to see, like, what is it that they're covering? Like, what are they writing about? They they have cornhole, yeah. But but on the website, (laughs) on the app, they they have to be having stories. I mean, they have to cover something. And so last week, one of the stories uh, that I saw that kind of irked me when I read it was it was basically on how bored NBA players are in the bubble. Do you know what the bubble is, Thomas? Yes, uh, it's an episode of Seinfeld. That's no, no, the no. But boy. it's they, I, I think the NHL is doing something similar. Like the teams and the players, aren't they? I like mean, are they really? I, I feel like the NBA is doing something that no one Maybe. else is doing I, because uh, the rosters I'm are not so paying small. Attention. The twelve-man rosters. They're um, yeah, they're like the entire league is like in one place, basically. And so, and, and so it's news when someone leaves the bubble, like to like deal with a, uh, unspecified family matter. Now that could be anything, like you had a fight with your girlfriend, but the protocol for leaving and, and re-entering uh, is, is pretty strict. I think you probably have to um, have multiple pos- uh, negative tests before even re-entering and, and have a period of time before you... So like, the, the, I mean, they're trying to keep people as separated as they can inside this bubble. So, so question, so yeah. just the players and like the, the, the and staff, coaching yeah. staff? Okay, yeah. no family? Right. Right. Okay. They're also at like luxury resorts, you know, in, in kind of the Disney area. I mean, uh, so <laughs> like they're talking about how like they had like some DJ or some guy. rapper that I've never heard of. Um, you know, he came in and did a concert at a pool, but only Dwight Howard showed up because like, they're like, like the players had just arrived and, and they're like the, the PR about it wasn't very good. I think more people would have wanted to come, but like maybe nobody else heard about it. So it was like Dwight Howard there, like sending Instagram stories and snaps with just him and this guy performing and, and talk about like this other guy, I think it was, uh, who's the guy ex pacer, who had the uh, gruesome leg injury? Um, Paul George. Paul George. How he's like loves fishing. 
Um, and in like, but there's only like six fishing rods. So there's always a race to like get the six fishing rods, um, between the players because, and they're like, well, we're going to try to order more, but which you know, is, it, it, I mean, it's kind of funny for these like multimillionaires to like fight over six fishing rods. It sounds like they're up to, like, to fish in a stocked pond. It is. It's like, it, it is like summer camp. And well, that's, and, and when I got to the end of the article, I was just kind of furious. I'm like, this is like, you realize what lockdown has been for your ordinary human being. We don't have a luxury resort. We don't have a fishing pond. We don't have uh, a rapper come to do a concert at our pool. So these people who are, are like, oh, woe is me. All I get to do is golf at this one at one of three resorts, go fishing and do these things. It, it just, it just it's was rough. Yeah, it's like yeah, uh, I'm cry- I'm playing the world's tiniest violin for these guys who are bored because um, they can't visit various strip clubs in cities, you know. But but it's like it's like all the celebrities that made videos in the early days of the quarantine from their mansions and yes. they were mm-hmm. sitting and you're it's it's not that rough for you, right? Yeah. Or I remember, I remember on Glop, they were like, those, those were like their guest house kitchen, you know, like that kitchen isn't nearly nice enough to be their kitchen. And, and they realized that. So they, I, I don't yeah, feel that bad. For I mean, it's, yeah, I, I see both. I mean, it's kind of relative I'm used to being able to do whatever they want. I would think like, I don't know, for some of them, probably being cut off from their family is actually like really hard. I'm sure the family will be pleased when they bring home the paycheck at the end of it. Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm not saying that that's not hard. But that's what everyone is going through. Yeah, it's not. It's not like like the thing that's unique to them is that they're still making a ton of money, and they're at like a resort, and the rest of us are, you know, getting by basically. Transition. This week's movie was recently released in theaters. <laughs> so it's distributed by Hulu in three D. It uh, stars Andy Samberg and J.K. Simmons. These are the only two names I know of the... What's the actress's name? Um, I know I've seen her in things. Yeah, uh, she's been in other things, but she's... Yeah, she's not like... Uh, wasn't she Wasn't she the mother from How I Met Your Mother? She was... What was her name in How I Met... Anyway, yeah, so she's been in How I Met Your Mother, but that's Kristen Milioti. Is Bing uh, working? Did they get Steve, uh, Bing, Steve Bing's dead? I don't know. There, is there ever, a Steve Bing Jr. that has taken over? He's really young, and he's not—he's not as good as it yet. Is—is is there a regency of some sort um, until he becomes of age? I think it's an uncle, but the uncle doesn't really know how to use the internet, and so it's really slow right now. Okay. All right. So we're talking about Palm Springs, which is a recent release uh, distributed by Hulu. It is a romantic comedy. Did Andy Samberg uh, write it? Mm, no. It was written by Andy Ciara. I don't know who that, that sounds guy like is. the same person to me. It was produced by, um, but it is produced by Andy Samberg's Lonely Island. Um, basically, getting Andy Samberg attached to it and getting Lonely Island to produce it um, was the only way it was going to get any money to get made. According to Wikipedia, it had a budget of $5 million. And they sold it to Hulu and Neon Pictures for $17,500,000.69. Nice. Chris, what is Palm Springs about? Why are you asking me? Ryan, what is Palm Springs about? Palm Springs. So I guess spoilers because... Yeah, there's no way to talk about this movie. Yeah, you can't. So I didn't say anything about it before, like other than just saying... I appreciate that. 
I appreciate that, Ryan. I just said, you're a good man. No matter what what Thomas is basically saying about you this whole time, you're a good. It's man. A, it's kind of a uh, edge of tomorrow, Groundhog Day. You know, um, living One of those every infinite time loop. Yeah, things. time loop, an infinite time loop, which he references in the movie, where he says like it's one of those, one of those inf- infinite time loop things, and he's like you know about this and she's like what uh so we we but we we don't pick it up from the beginning we pick up andy sandberg uh basically after he's been in it for so he's been in the time loop for so long that he doesn't really care about anything anymore um like we're well, you, you see you see him at the wedding wearing swimming trunks, <laughs> swim and, trunks a and a Hawaiian shirt. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, just slamming beers all day. Yeah. We demonstrate like how long he's or they demonstrate how long he's been in, in that at one point um when Kristen Miliati, she the first night that we see, she there's a cave that you shouldn't enter where the, where if you enter this cave you get stuck with a time loop. Um she enters the cave with him and um so after she's been in it for a while, she asks him what his job was um, before. And he's like, basically doesn't remember what his job was before this. And that's, so that's how long he's been doing it. There were like uh, on some Reddit, somebody was like guessing that it had been like 30 years. He'd been stuck in there before he met her. Well, in Groundhog Day, um, don't some people surmise that, that he may have lived like 20,000 years, you know, like a year or two seems like a long time to be in an infant time loop, but right. generally these movies, it, it could have been centuries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She goes in with him. She, she follows him in because uh, we we see that um, he's making out with her on a beach and, but then Wait, no, a, no, a, a no, man a in, a, in a desert, desert. In a desert. Yeah. Yeah. On, <laughs> Uh, there's no there's no beach near palm springs uh, so so this is a this is a good topic so i want so this takes place in arizona right palm springs california they shot it's shot in la but it it takes oh. place in palm springs california where is palm springs i don't know like a couple hours it's, east of la yeah it's just oh. kind of a desert but it's, I, I guess it's a cool place to visit too Okay. Yeah, I I assume that it was Arizona or something because she drives to Austin in a day. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not sure. I don't don't know. I don't think. Well, notice she's like fighting to keep awake. Right. She would have, depending on what time she started. If she started first thing in the morning, drove straight through. I mean, maybe 20 hours she could have got yeah. to Austin. It, it, it t- yeah, 20. So it takes 15 from Phoenix, so about 20. Yeah. Yeah, um, but then J.K. Simmons lives in what Irvine and and is able to yeah. make the drive to the wedding on the day of. That's right. like five six hours. Irvine, which is L.A. area, south, right? Yeah. South, just south. Anyway, this this is this is our best segment ever. Like yeah. vague stabs at geography. <laughs> <laughs> where where do you think uh, Sacramento is? Yeah, what what, <laughs> North what else of Bakersfield. do we want to talk about where they drove to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, yeah. So um, yeah, so Andy Samberg gets Kristen Milioti uh, trapped in a time loop after they try to make out, which was the first time they made out. Thomas, Thomas, no, Tom, Thomas. They weren't just going to make out. You innocent, sweet Thomas. Well. Uh, 
no, what? it wasn't the first it, because it was not the first time. But he lies he, to her eventually. Yeah, he lies and says that was going to be the first time. But eventually, he tells her that he's he's had sex with her hundreds of times. Like, I think I think thousands, <laughs> thousands. Yeah, I think thousands. thousands. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's interrupted by J.K. Simmons, who I mean, this is the best part of the movie, honestly. Yeah. Like, out of nowhere, J.K. Simmons with with camo on his face shoots him with an arrow. Like, shoots him in the arm in with an with a with an arrow, and then in the back of the leg. It's and, amazing, and you're like, why is a man hunting another says, man? Yeah, he's he's in, he's he's cussing at him. So he's like, "Fuck you, Roy!" And so like he clearly knows who it is, and he's like, and Roy says, "I'm always gonna find." you <laughs> and then they both walk into the cave and uh well andy samberg crawls into the cave because he's got an arrow in his shoulder and she out of concern for him follows him in after he's, he's telling like, her, no no me. don't don't follow me in don't follow me in uh, which gets her stuck in the time loop as well she goes back to the cave the next day and after an earthquake in the middle of the day it opens up and she says i'm going to go in there right now and he says well as soon as you go in there that'll just reset the day which is why he crawled in there the night before because rather than dealing with the pain of an arrow in his shoulder for however many more hours until morning um you just want to just go into the cave and reset the day because it resets if you die fall asleep or go in the cave well, the first half of the movie or uh, the next 20 minutes after they get stuck in this time loop is like him trying to explain to her what it is. Right. And, and her trying to come to grips with that. As long as he's been in it, he's not, he's not found any way to do anything different. And him trying to just get her to accept, hey, just accept it and just try to make the most out of it. Uh, and she, it seems like she starts to enjoy it. Right. Yeah, they seem like they start to have a good time, and um, you know, they. Uh, I like the one where they show up at the wedding, and he's like, was he's like dressed as like, um, like some like a pirate or something, and she's the bad guy, and they uh, they fire like a a bomb into the air, and <laughs> uh, whatever they, but they're having they they have a good time. But the best executed thing in the movie is that they take a long time to explain why J.K. Simmons was hunting Andy Samberg. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't answer that right away. No, So for for much of the movie, you're like, so what was the deal with the guy hunting the other guy? Right. They kind of just leave it until more than halfway through the movie, J.K. Simmons ends up, like, getting into a police car and chasing them down. And he tells her about the night that... um, he partied with J.K. Simmons and they both were really high. And J.K. Simmons basically said, this is the best night of my life. I want to live it every night in a, a drug induced haze. Andy Samberg tells him about the cave and says, Oh, Hey, you can go in here and live every night over and over. And so J.K. Simmons, who is also uh, heavily influenced by drugs goes into the cave and then is pissed at Andy Samberg for making him, live the same day over and over because jk simmons we find out has a wife and kids kid who is like what is he doing with the dog poop one kid is like watering the dog poop or something. this like is the best like this that. is the best part of the movie for my money is when he's watering dog and they return to it too yeah. and the kid is just standing there watering it um i also like how when andy samberg is trying to explain to her 
how all of this works. And she's like, well, maybe, maybe it's like one of those karma things. And he's like, I paid a kid a hundred bucks for a candy bar. If that's not karma, what is? The best part of the movie I thought was, was the, the mystery of J.K. Simmons hunting Andy Samberg. The second best part was uh, just a critique of our current culture where she thought it was karma. And so she went and, and whispered something to her sister and was so confident that the thing that that was going to solve everything, that um, this kind of small thing that she would do would make everything right and was really pissed off at the universe that that, that didn't do it. And it's, it's just like this. What very... she whispered to her was that she had slept with her fiance on the day on the day before the night before the which again they, they do a good job of not letting us know what that is until much later right but but again she just thinks like i think many people do is that mm-hmm. like a very small gesture which for her seems right. significant was just going to be uh, do, do all the cosmic good that would be necessary to break this loop but alas no what i didn't like is how she sort of like figures this out she just decides to go and get a bunch of quantum physics books and she zooms in with some professor at some university and she's like, oh, this is how we do it. And it is like this 3.2 second window when you have to blow it all up or something. That's, oh, boo freaking who, Thomas. That wasn't a great Like you can't have it both ways. Do you want movies to be three hours long or can, can some things be resolved quickly? It can be resolved quickly and well. Okay, that was me rolling my eyes at you. That, I didn't mind great. it. I mean, she could have spent, you know, who knows? She could have spent 10 years learning yeah. about quantum physics, how to... But the movie didn't need to show us that. That was assumed, Thomas. Like, her studying was assumed. She is not clever enough to understand quantum no. physics. She's the loser sister. She has never done anything with her life, and suddenly she's going to master quantum physics? Give me a break. Oh, my gosh. She's a lady physicist. It just... It, it wasn't... It was a very... Uh, narrow learning. I don't think she was learning all about. I think it was just one. <laughs> I just want to learn know, one thing about one, it. Yeah, I mean, if I strap dynamite to myself, can I fix my problems? Right. I think that's the way a lot of colleges work. There's a lot of dynamite strapping. There's a lot of strapping. <laughs> uh, so, so Ryan, how uh, how much did you like this movie out of six and a half? Out of six and a half, uh, I would say five out of six and a half. Probably. I don't know. Out of five stars, I think it was a four star movie. I I really liked it. It was one of the I mean, as far as comedies go, I would say it's for me, it was up there with the nice guys. Um, no. Yeah. Are don't you don't Easily. you say Did you that. Easily. 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 Sandberg? Easily. I don't know what you guys are talking about. No. Easily. It's easily one of one of one of the top three comedies of the last, I don't know, five years. That's uh, insane. No, it's not. I mean, Andy Samberg is great. I, I mean, he... Has there Andy only Sand- been five comedies released? <laughs> no, so, I said so one you, of the top so three. When we're discussing this movie re- released on Hulu for some amount in 69 cents, you're like the first movie that comes to mind to compare it to is one of our... Like the three of ours favorite comedies in the last yeah. twenty years. Yes, it, yes, definitely. It is right there with the night. I'm not even. This isn't a bit. I'm not. This. The, it was. It, it's that good. Okay, Thomas. Out of fourteen and a half stars, what do you give it? Out of fourteen and a half, I give it four. Oh my gosh, that's that's, that's really low. 
I, I give it six and a half stars out of nine. <laughs> I, I don't think it's too deep. Um, there isn't a lot there. Um, it's not supposed to be deep. And, and I think it tries to be a little bit philosophical about like everything's meaningless. Oh, and then and they kind of have this conversation where he talks about what's important is the next bite uh, of, of this candy bar. It's not, I don't care who you were or, or what we've done. Uh, what's important is what, what is to come. And so it kind of gets philosophical, but then it kind of rejects that paradigm and saying that your identity is uh, a little bit in, in who you are and who you've been. And he has to come to, they have to kind of come to terms to that with that, especially her who um, a million times she has to wake up in the bed with um, her sister's future husband. So like, this is like hell for her to wake up knowing what she did to her sister um, and knowing the lie that he's going to stand up there and um, pledge fidelity to uh, her sister, at, you know, hours after having sex with, with, uh, with her. So she's carrying this with her while he's saying what's, what's, what's not important is, isn't what you've done, but what you're going to do. But I think J.K. Simmons is a great, like J.K. Simmons is great in everything and makes, uh, takes everything up a few pegs. But so, so, I mean, it's, it's enjoyable. I, I, I just can't conceive of it being on the level of the nice guys or even uh, like a second tier comedy, but, but I, I wouldn't not recommend it. I think it's interesting, but it's just not all that funny. Like, there, there are a lot of, yeah, it lot... wasn't all that funny. No, uh, I was really, really is drinking the haterade today. Like he, he just really wants to crap all I over. I gave it two this, stars. This That's movie a... and all over Ryan. I'm not unhappy. I watched it. Uh, it took me two tries, uh, but I watched it. It's it's no the rock. We know that ninety minutes. No, it's ninety it's minutes two no tries. Rock. Do you think this would have made money had it been released in theaters, hmm. or is it too small of a movie? Because I hadn't I hadn't heard of it at all until a few people like Ryan and Jason started to talk about it. I think it's Jason. Well, that's the thing Adam. about that's the thing about these movies that are being released straight to to streaming is. Uh, Besides Hamilton, have you heard of any of these? The Netflix movies are, I mean, these ones that come out until I mean, you just, actually open Netflix or hears from someone on Twitter. Have you heard of these things? No, they just show up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then some of them generate some buzz because people start to watch it. Like there's some Indian matchmaking thing I had never heard about until yesterday on Twitter when people started to talk about it. Although today, this is interesting. We know that Disney is in financial uh, trouble. Um, today I saw, because I was watching, I was so hungry for baseball. Uh, baseball came on at 3 p.m. I don't even remember who was playing, but I turned on baseball on ESPN because I wanted to watch baseball. I saw a preview for a movie that's coming out in like six weeks, and it's the most insane movie that that I've ever seen. Uh, and I swear to you, this is like I didn't get high on shrooms and have a hallucination. It's a movie uh, with Tim Watley. I'm forgetting his name. That's okay. Help me out here. Walter White. Okay. Um, Walter White uh, and a gorilla. And the gorilla shows his humanity by showing Walter White that he can paint. What is this? It's a movie that's coming in six weeks on Disney Plus that is being advertised on ESPN. Now, granted, ESPN is owned by Disney, so there's like synergy going on here. But uh, I don't know what it's called. It, it looked like the most insane thing ever. Uh, back to Palm Springs. R- Ryan, do you have an Andy Samberg ranking for us? Yeah, I do. Since you are his number one fan. I was looking yeah. at his filmography, and I have seen three of his movies. I have seen Hot Rod, 
and Palm Springs for this podcast. And I have also seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Hey, wasn't Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs uh, directed by, uh, what are their names? Uh, Phil um, and Christopher Miller. Yeah, Lord Miller. Lord yeah, Miller. the ones who are fired from Solo. Yeah, I've never seen it. I have seen it, but I don't really remember it. So it's not your typical it's not, Lord it's Miller. It's not on my. Um, it's not on my list. Of, I I I never had any urge to watch the sequel. Put it that way. Okay, Ryan. So what's your ranking? Number seven is the Bash Brothers, and that's the uh, fake um, sports documentary where he plays Jose Canseco. It's about Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. Number. It's, Six it's, is, it's not about D2, the Mighty Ducks, the Bash Brothers from, <laughs> from that movie? No. Number six is Tour de Pharmacy, and that's um, the fake sports documentary about like cycling. Is he, is he playing Lance Armstrong? It basically, yeah, he is. It's pretty funny. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is number five, which is a TV show. Number four is Popstar. The movie, it's kind of like making kind of making fun of NSYNC and like pop music or boy bands and stuff like that, but it's really funny. Number three is Seven Days in Hell, which is the um, the tennis, the fake uh, tennis sports documentary oh, that he you does. mentioned this on the podcast. With uh, Kit Harrington is the uh, like him and Kit Harrington are supposed to be rivals. And um, it's about Wimbledon. They have a seven-day match at Wimbledon. <laughs> he does a lot of fake stuff, huh? Yeah, he, he's his the the sports documentaries that he does. The three of them, they're all really funny. I like him. Number two is Hot Rod. Number one is Palm Springs. Here's my comment on your ranking. Uh, I wanted to watch Pop Star up until the second I heard this ranking. In 2012, Andy Samberg appeared in something called The Watch in the role of casual wanker number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, John Thomas, Thomas. Connor Ratliff, is that his name? He auditioned for a role in a Rebel Wilson film. You, you should just listen to the podcast and find out. Uh, I'm not sure it fits in my new slim down podcast schedule. Guess not. You, you just don't have time. You're too busy listening to four podcasts about commie... commie hockey uh all right any other concluding thoughts about uh, andy sandberg hot rod palm springs no i want that whole segment cut because i don't like the way it went it was very (laughs) disrespectful if andy sandberg ever hears this he's not going to want to be friends with me that is all the time we are giving to this episode please please catch us next week on the podcast channel good night and good luck